When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to the Tom Bernard Show. Tom is busy getting a, another award, <laughs> Mr. Award Man. Today it's the Iconic Award, whatever that means. And it meant so much to him that he was wearing gym shorts to accept it. Oh, so, no. <laughs> Scott, Scott Jameson shows up in like a suit and tie, and Tom's like in gym shorts. Oh, lovely. So... Anyway, that's that's my darling. Anyway, welcome to the Tom Bernard Show, Catherine Brandt. Andy Brandt-Bernard. Cassie Schrader. And we'll be right back. Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt and talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive continues to grow. They think it's because of their upfront pricing, no haggle or hassle sales experience. And working with one person from start to finish. I think we all know it's because of the loyal podcast listeners. I've said it a million times before. I won't endorse a company that I don't believe in, and Walzer's no exception. I've bought several cars from them, as has my family. I know what you're thinking. Tommy got some special deal. Well, the truth is we paid the Walzer best price just like everyone else. Walzer will sell about 35,000 cars this year, and you can't do that if your prices aren't great. Do yourself a favor. When it's time to shop for a new or used car, go to walzer.com and give them a shot. You won't be sorry. Walzer Automotive Group, walzer.com. Welcome back. 
Very nice. I just thought of something. I probably made Michael Bryant mad at me. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> well, I, 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 this attorney was at our house, and it wasn't Michael Bryant. <laughs> and he, um, said, he found out that our house is on the market, and he said, mm-hmm. I always sell my own house. I hate paying real estate people. Oh. Hmm. I'm not sure if he didn't realize that I'm a real estate person. I, I would pay, I'd give, take care of it for me. Absolutely. I don't want to deal with Absolutely. it. So yeah. much of it is obnoxious. But it's, as a realtor, I'm sure he has, he's got no problem filling out billions of forms. Yeah. No, he's, he's, he was an attorney. I mean, an attorney, whatever. Well, I know, but I just like, you know, I, I it just, it just irritated me because I know how hard that. It, it is to be a real estate agent yes. because I've been doing this now for six years, and I mean, it, not everybody has three hundred, you know, three million dollar properties that they're selling. So you have to sell a lot of things just to you have to sell you have to sell probably a half a million dollars worth of real estate every year just to be an agent. Yes, because you have to pay for omissions and errors insurance, and you mm-hmm. have to pay for all this stuff. So anyway, um, and, and it's a ton of work, and sometimes nothing ever happens. Mm-hmm. Sometimes people decide that they want forty uh, percent more than their home is worth, and you either agree with it or you don't get the listing. Mm-hmm. And then when it doesn't sell, they think that you're a terrible real estate person, so they fire you and get somebody else. Mm-hmm. And then they lower the price, and then it sells. And then that agent is a yep. genius, and you're stupid. I mean, it's just kind of it's just like that, you yeah. know. It's just how it is. My dad was a real estate agent. Uh, well, he was probably an agent at the worst time in the housing market when it was the late 70s, early oh, 80s, into yeah. the 90s. 20% interest rates. Yeah, nice. and that was hard to sell Very a house hard. back then. I yeah. mean, he was constantly trying to, you know, sell, 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 but it was just so hard because it was hard for people to get loans with that high interest rate. Right. So I, I used to go with my dad when he would somebody wanted to put their house on the market, so he would have me hold the measuring tape so we can measure rooms and stuff yeah. like that. So I remember doing all that and watching him, you know, all the paperwork. And stuff. It's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. But the, but the point was is that this guy is an attorney, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he – he isn't a contingency attorney. Like, mm-hmm. You know, Michael Bryant doesn't get paid unless he wins the case. Yeah. Uh, he's not like that. This guy isn't like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. He wants a retainer. Uh, lots of, yeah. Right. <laughs> Up front. And, and, and lots of money per hour. Yeah. So for him to say that to me was kind of just like being punched in the jaw. Yeah. And um, so I posted about it not thinking of all the attorneys that actually do work on contingencies. <laughs> so sorry, Michael. It wasn't directed at you at all. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, because like a realtor. Put, put in it again. A realtor basically is like a lawyer on contingency. No, you don't... we are not like attorneys at all. Yeah, you're well, not no, allowed but I mean, to say like, that. You don't, you don't get like, I mean, but you don't get. Paid unless you sell or buy. You unless know, we close. Close on a house, yeah. yes. Unless you, you close. You know, that's like winning a case. I mean, you have to close yeah. on the house and then yeah. and all your hard work gets paid for. So Yeah. Well, I mean, some attorneys work on a contingency basis, but mm-hmm. some of them are, are doing corporate law and they're yeah. charging, you know, $5,000 mm-hmm. an hour to do, you know, things. So anyway, so... I apologize to all the attorneys out there that work on a contingency. It just was like such a... Yeah. What a thing to say. I was Yeah, like, but it's a lawyer, so yeah. they think they know well, it all and sometimes. And I understand. I mean, I believe me, I have worked with real estate people that mm-hmm. are scam artists. Mm-hmm. 
you know, there's the people that get into an industry and lawyers too, and every, every, every single thing that, you know, get in, in it to try to figure out how to manipulate the system so that they can get more than they should. Yeah. There just are people like that. And I've worked with real estate people like that. Yeah. I have. They're not any fun, but they are out there, but not all of us are like that. Yeah. Well, my, my cousin, Jamie, she, she's been, she used to do loans and she was like an underwriter for a long time and she slowly has worked her way. Now she is a real estate agent. She's worked very hard to get to where she's at and she's a very honest, you know, person too. So, I mean, I'm very proud of her for doing it. I just, I almost got into real estate myself and I'm like, I just, I can't do it. I can't do it. I have a love hate relationship with real estate yeah well you gotta just have have a good client it's great yes yes and if you don't have good clients it can be your worst nightmare but i'm sure that's just kind of how everything is i would have really liked what i was going to do Uh, i got my license so i could go you know buy houses not like flip them per se but we had like a company that basically i was the scout for houses that needed to be rehabbed but then that all fell apart. Yeah. Didn't work out. Well, I just, um, oh gosh, what, was it a news story or something? Or or maybe it was a, a guest I was trying to look up. Something about um, how a lot of people, a lot of these um, real estate agents who like to buy these houses and flip them. Mm-hmm. And then they're not making a big profit or anything. And he's saying, you know, don't be um, hesitant to put it as a rental property. You know, right. And I know for a while rental properties were real hot because as a no, they still are. Are they still? Yeah. Well, a lot of people are sitting on the fence um, because they just don't know what's going to happen with the economy. Exactly. And with all of this hatred towards Trump, mm-hmm. people there are a lot of people that think he's going to be impeached, mm-hmm. and the world's going to change, Ridiculous. and they don't know what's going to happen. I mean, that's kind of what the narrative is out there right now in, in a lot of well, arenas. Well, I'm, I'm wondering if with – now, did he change the law where you can't write off your interest and property tax? No. Dad complains about that a lot, but it only really affects people with an income over $100,000. Okay. Well, it it – it's if your property taxes are over ten thousand dollars, yeah, mm-hmm. which most people's aren't. That's a lot of property. Well, tax. It, it's it is a lot of property tax, but there are certain areas where property taxes are high, you know, mm-hmm. and um, it, it, it so you can write up write off up to ten thousand dollars. It used to be you could do all of your property taxes, mm-hmm. no matter how expensive they were. And now it's only ten thousand dollars. So, and you know, if, if you've got, I mean, some places on Lake Minnetonka, my God, they're paying a hundred thousand dollars a year in yeah. more. So that's a huge hit for somebody, mm-hmm. even if they're wealthy. All of a sudden, so, you know, ninety thousand dollars out of your pocket is is a lot of money. Yeah, so but is, this will drive property values down where they do need to be driven down, though. Yeah, but the luxury market, I think, has been kind of taking a hit around, at least in Minneapolis. I mean, I obviously, you know, San Francisco, New York, L.A., they're always going to be crazy high because everybody yeah. wants to live there. But here, where mm-hmm. we have winters, yes, <laughs> very, very harsh winters, it's harder for us to maintain those kind of property values. Yeah, nobody buys a winter home in Minnesota. No, not unless you no. really like to cross-country skiers yeah some people buy like cabins but yeah that's true 
So um, I was watching the news this morning because I wanted to see what the weather was going to do. And apparently we're going to get up to maybe two inches of rain and maybe some tornadoes. So everybody when? needs to watch. Today. Today. Yep. Oh. So everybody needs to kind of watch the weather. But they were talking about these new, um, and, and I mean, it's all been all over social media. I'm sure you guys have seen some of these stories about um, the facial recognition software. Yes. Like your phone is, you can mm-hmm. take a picture and that's your password. Yeah. And how... People would prefer to give up their privacy to have the convenience of not having to remember passwords, because there's never anything that doesn't that you you can do on the internet that might not be sold to somebody, including mm-hmm. your face. Yeah, true. <laughs> I, and I don't know. I mean, okay. So we, we've got, we've got me who remembers most of my life was before internet mm-hmm. and before all of this stuff. You got. You were kind of like sort of... Well, I, I remember bit. everything before. I mean, I remember I when the internet came out. And I was like, whoa, this is awesome, you mm-hmm. know? Right. Because, I mean, the only computer um, I had prior to owning a... You know, when the internet came out and we bought a desktop mm-hmm. um, was the Mac... We had the Mac. The yep. Mac at at school. And we played like Oregon, Oregon Trail. Trail yeah. <laughs> And it had like a black screen with like orange or green font on yeah. there. Yeah, it had like I mean, three colors. That's what we had, yeah. and it was always crashing. Yeah, and we had the floppy disks. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what we had. So that I mean, that's how I learned how to use a computer, and it's just, but it came very quick for me to learn. Sure. Yeah. Versus like my, my dad, it took him yeah, a little because bit because you had them in schools. In yeah. School too. You were mm-hmm. uh, you were using them, but I just I really do wonder. Just because of all the convenience and technology changing so fast and people just accepting it. And also, it's kind of like a badge of honor to keep up with the latest technology and know about the newest app for this and, and mm-hmm. you know, have the best phone and all that kind of stuff. It, it, it's a good idea to allow these companies to be able to use all of your information. I don't know. I it's... mean, if you don't have anything, you say, oh, I don't have anything to hide and I don't really care and my life is boring. But... Stuff can happen. I mean, people can, you know, I mean, people's lives have been fairly ruined by well, identity how, theft. And if they've got your face, too. Yeah, well, and how how um, secure, I mean, what happens if there's somebody that looks similar to me? I mean, how well is it detecting my face to know that it is me? Because, like, my sister and I, we look a lot alike. So. Well, I've been tagged um, on, in uh, photos of Alex. I've oh, been really? out there, and I've been tagged on it. Okay, so the all right, so because there are certain angles where you really cannot tell us apart. Exactly, and that's how my sister and I are. So it's like, you know, is it really that secure? I mean, exactly. Um, I would rather almost. I almost prefer the thumbprint because my thumbprint is unique to me and only. Yeah, me. I like fingerprints. Yeah. You know, and I have a fingerprint reader on my phone, and it's easier than having to go like this every time. Yeah. Like you pick up your phone, you just naturally put your finger on the thing, and there you go. Yeah. So I, I don't know why it's so convenient when you could, I mean, just use the same password for everything. You know what I mean? Right. Like, well, I, is there any, okay, so technically I could punch you out, mm-hmm. use your thumb to put on your phone to open your phone. Mm-hmm. But you could but easily put my... If I'm knocked out on the yeah, floor, the face but do your eyes have to be open? I don't, I don't know. know. Or is it just recognize? Prop them up with, <laughs> with, with pin, scotch pin tape. Pin them open. <laughs> <laughs> Try to get into your phone. 
<laughs> oh, that sounds like a like a skit somewhere on some type of so like so desperate to use your telephone for free. <laughs> well, honestly, I mean for for safety issues, I do not lock my phone because if I'm ever in a car accident or I get hurt oh, somewhere yeah. and I have my phone on me, if somebody needs to get a hold of my husband or one of my kids and they can't get into my phone. I have Dave. You list- can um you can use a phone that's locked, at least mine. Yeah, um, can't you call nine one one emergency services? You could call nine one one, but like if let's say um I get in a car accident right. or whatever and I'm knocked out and I need somebody to call my husband for me mm-hmm. or I'm incapacitated, maybe I'm like, you know, out of it but I can still talk. Probably still need an ambulance. Well yeah. <laughs> I mean, they can call 911, but if, for somebody to get a hold of my family, my yeah. next of kin. You can add emergency contacts in that menu. Can you? Yeah. Yep. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure. I, well, I that's have. Good to that's know. a new thing, but yeah. Like, I have the option to add whoever I want to that emergency contact menu. So Okay, I'll have whoever. to delve into my phone to see. You know, and you have basically abyss. the same phone as me, so yeah. Yeah, cause, and then I label Dave as an ice, as in case of in emergency, case of, okay. you know. So yeah. it just always made me Where nervous. Oh, you just button? oh, Andy's gonna fix oh. it up for you. So you go like that. Oh, but yours is not locked. Yeah, I don't have a lock screen. I don't have it. See, set I have up. to oh, have well. a lock because of my real estate mm-hmm. stuff. They, well, yeah, if you it, don't have a lock screen, but I do have it a takes thing. Over. I do have a yeah. thing on my phone where I can, for like, let's say my banking apps and everything. If I click on my banking app, I have to put in a passcode to get into my banking app. I have the same thing, but with a fingerprint. Yeah. yeah, so you can actually, there's there's software that you can get for your phone where specific apps you want them locked. Not your whole phone, but just okay. your specific apps, like yep. your email, banking information, okay. Samsung's really on top of that whole thing. Hello. Hi. Yeah. You know comedian, just you? I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's okay. Her yeah, name that is Kristen like all right. Anderson Anderson. Who's going to be at Royal Comedy? Kristen Just, Anderson Anderson. But She's not booked until 2, it says. Yeah, yeah, but I told them to come in early if uh, they would like to. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, since we're at, we have a skeleton crew today. Yes, yeah, we do. But yeah, her, her last name is Anderson Anderson, but it's Anderson the first Anderson, Anderson is S-E-N. The second Anderson is S-O-N. Oh, that's so interesting. <laughs> so what, one's Norwegian and, the and one's... The is, uh, I think a marketing group came up with that choice for her. Oh. That's what I understand. I have a relative, and I brought it up, and she goes, oh, we came up with that for her. It's not her real name? No, 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 no. She is Anderson, but to choose to use that as her, like, stage name, both of them, rather than just choosing an O-N or E-N. Yes. Because then she can talk about it. She can be like, well, (laughs) this Anderson. Especially in Minnesota, where Anderson is like, everybody knows. Yep. Yeah. And the difference between the E-N and the O-N. Sure, I know an Anderson. I know a couple Andersons. Absolutely. (laughs) But I interrupted. What's the difference between E-N and O-N? Uh, Sen En is Danish, and Owen is Norwegian. Yeah, mostly, not always, but we see a lot more Owens. In yes, Minnesota, well, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, we yeah. gotta take a quick break. Oh, yes. right. Yeah, we'll be back uh, on the Tom Bernard Show. I'm Brad Huckle, president of North American Banking Company. 
Ask one of our bankers what they love about business banking. They always say the relationship with a client. Case in point, True North Oral Surgery and Implants is a longtime customer with a growing practice. Their banker, Julie Marshall, knows the ins and outs of what they do. So when they need working capital, an equipment loan, or funds for expansion, they call Julie. Are you looking for a banker you can count on? Give us a call. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC, an equal housing lender. Did you know that about 60% of people over the age of 60 are starting to experience cloudy, blurry, or dim vision due to cataracts? Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Eye Care. Whiting Clinic is best known for their fabulous LASIK results. You've heard me rave about them for years, but did you know they're also experts in cataract surgery? Yes, indeed, and I'm here to tell you about my wonderful experience having cataract surgery at Whiting Clinic. I'm at that age when my vision started to fade, so I called up the folks at Whiting Clinic. They helped me out right away. My cataract surgery was super easy, and thanks to the Whiting Clinic, my vision is top-notch once again. Whiting Clinic has the most advanced lens technology options, so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you want to learn more about your options for cataract surgery or clearer vision, attend one of Whiting Clinic's cataract seminars. Call Whiting Clinic at 855-554-2020 to RSVP today. That's 855-554-2020 to learn more about your cataract surgery options at Whiting Clinic. Boy, that's a rainy day song. Have I ever heard one? It's a good song. Yes. It's Nirvana, right? No, this is White Stripes. Yes, Nirvana. (laughs) (laughs) But we're back. Without Tom Bernard, because he is out winning awards all over town, you know, as he does. In his gym shorts. In his gym shorts. Is today award day? Uh, it's the Iconic Award. Iconic. Ooh. I don't really know what it is. Oh, he's going to sure come up ex- with the big ego, Iconic <laughs> Award. I'm sure he explained it to me, but I didn't listen as usual. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm just, yeah, he, he gets an award every week lately. I guess it's just the his The Billboard turn. Icon Award. Oh, it's Billboard. Oh, right. I love it. No. Is it, I know what? I don't know. That is, an, that is an award in that business, but that's not what he does. Is got. it for Clear Channel gives out awards for those most on billboards? I, don't think he's a, I have yeah. absolutely no <laughs> idea. What does he buy? Are you saying that he bought that award? award? He could have. We were just talking about before you, you popped in that uh, about this facial so- oh, recognition yeah, software. It's like, what do you think about it? Well, my wife has it because she has it on her new phone. Mm-hmm. Um. And I heard Andy talk about the thumbprint, which I like the thumbprint. But the mm-hmm. problem is I didn't set up both hands, so sometimes oh, I have like my right yeah. hand, and then I can't open it. But I can. I always have my face. Mm-hmm. I'm always looking at the phone. Well, on my <laughs> phone, you true. can set up as many fingerprints as you want. So actually, yeah, one trick is more. I'm sure you've noticed that it doesn't always work when you do your fingerprint, even sure. though it's the right finger. So or what you do every, is yeah. you register that finger twice. So you do it, and then you register it as a new finger again. To do the same finger more than once. See, mine mine only Mm -hmm. lets me do it like six times, and then it makes me put in my password. Only six. Like six only times. six, and then and then it, or if I if I restart my phone, I have to yeah, always put it. in my password. There's an option to have it so if you put in your password three times incorrectly, it wipes your phone. Ooh. Oh, I don't. That's that crazy. Option. Yeah, that no. Would there's be n- very bad. My kids are constantly putting in the wrong password to get into our phones. Or like imagine accidentally, yeah. you know, it unlocks in your pocket, and then you take out your phone and it's oh. wiped. It's like, well, yeah. Who's gonna use that option? I remember one time. A criminal. Oh, this many, mm-hmm. low those many years ago. We had one of these little 
I don't even know what it was. It was like the first electronic uh, contacts list sort of thing. And you had mm-hmm. to like, you oh, had to sure. sit there. The Rolodex and, thing. Yeah, but it was a small little electronic thing. And I was like, Rolodex? it's going to be so yeah, great like to get rid Rolodex. of having that big, you know, address book. No. And stuff. And I put everybody in there, like, I don't know, 300 contacts. And I had to use this little stylus and it was a horrible little device, but it was like one of the first ones. So I got it all done, and I showed Tom. I'm like, oh, it's so great. I'm going to be able to throw away this giant, old, scratched-out address book. He had There was a button on there that I didn't know about, delete all. Whoa. And the first thing he did was delete uh, all. Oh, he, no. He probably couldn't read this fine print. I it's probably couldn't fine print. believe it. So what a piece of crap. <laughs> was it, what was, well, that? I mean, was that like, like a Blackberry know. or something? It wasn't even that. No, electronic good. organizers, those terrible. were a thing oh, for a little while. Oh, I remember while. those. Yeah. It was probably a Radio Shack thing, mm-hmm. you know, that I thought was really cool. I it's, mean, it's like, you know, but, but, but he could have taken a normal Rolodex and thrown it into a fire. It's not the Rolodex's fault that he ruined I, it. I'm just saying I'm just saying you should never have like a one button that just deletes all when you just well, press then, it. Well, you know what that was? That was pre are you sure? Yeah. Yes, are question. you sure? Are you yeah. sure delete all? Cuz he he just wanted to delete like a person because uh, he's like, "Oh, that's not their right oh, number." Yeah. And he didn't know how to edit it, so he was, trying he was to help just you. <laughs> in Tom's yeah. way. That was that was back when every computer electronic thing was programmed by someone who had like a master's in assembly from MIT and figured that, you know, oh, well, if I can, if this way works for me, then it uh, works for everyone. Because yeah, yeah. yeah. user-friendliness was not a thing back no. then. That's why you used to have to type in and DOS like your commands, like oh, run this. Yeah. And if you, didn't know the, Windows. if you didn't know the command, then yeah. too bad. And what, what's weird is like some of this technology that we're talking about wasn't that long ago. That's how no. far we've ten advanced. Years, yeah. in like well, ten iPhones, years. they're like 10 years old or something. Oh, no, they're oh, way older than that. I think we're at 15. That. Oh, yeah. for that. What? No. Windows, iPhones are definitely... Windows is 17 years old? No, Windows is much 17. older. Windows 1, uh, there was 95... Windows 9. I think oh, yeah, Windows 1 came Max out in like 88 right. or something like that. It was late 80s Windows came out and then like But no one used it. So, so like, what's that? Yeah, cuz they sucked. were trying they were trying to make a 30 years. A, no. Yeah. PC act like a Mac, right? That yeah. was the whole point. Yeah, here we go. Yeah. iPhones 11 years. Yeah. It really? It mm-hmm. feels like I've had one for my like, whole life it now. Really does. 11 years is a long time. <laughs> uh, I mean, Not yeah. Really. <laughs> But when the, you're elderly, like in the scope me. of technology, how, how long until we get rid of them? I don't, the, in well, 11 years, do we not have to have this anymore? Who knows? It'll happen eventually. We'll find out some better way to do it. Well, when, I'm just wondering if we're hitting a plateau when it comes to personal technology like cell phones and stuff. We definitely of, are. Because it's yeah. like, I don't know how much more advanced. Well, Google we, tried, and I paid $1,500 for those glasses. The glasses, did, yeah. did you really? On. Oh yeah. Okay, so tell me what, what was what what were they supposed to do? I don't need. I didn't. They were, I never they even were cool. paid attention. The problem to it. is the marketing got crashed because everyone called it creepy because yep. you could just wink and start videotaping. Oh. Yeah. They called, <laughs> that and is then creepy. on. Um, I think it's an appropriate word to say glass holes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's yeah. And they did that on Silicon Valley. One of the the first seasons, they said, "Oh, one of the." Yeah, glass holes is yeah. at the yeah, yeah, yeah. bar. Watch out! Mm-hmm. And that, that definitely right after that, it's they were stupid uh, to include that feature because they should have known that everyone would see someone with them yeah. as a potential so, like 
covert yeah. recorder. Yeah, so yeah. you bought a pair. I bought a pair because I have a website that has video games. So any new technology, I want to get that. Because there so, was apps. There was an app market So instead right of away. using a joystick or a mouse or whatever, you would just, you're, yeah, you just, your it. eyes you would, have would to, just yeah, you would track move, your yep. eyes? For the video game part, you would move your eyes to the left or up or maybe your head. Because one of the That's most popular crazy. things was it was a golf trainer on there. Mm-hmm. And so as you moved your head golfing, and a lot of people were using it for golf. Oh, I could see that because yeah. you see where you, how your swing is, like your body movement. And I think it tracked the ball maybe, right? Because it would do distance. That technology will come back. Yeah, they'll they'll be fine and it'll come back. <laughs> Just for golf. <laughs> I mean, Samsung was – a lot of companies were working on it. And now yeah. they've all switched to VR, which is similar yeah. – but yeah. different. Well, it's like the complete opposite. I like it motion right? sickness. It, now it's VR. like well, sitting at home and looking glasses. And, yeah. But yeah. yeah, that. Well, Microsoft had something smart glass or something yeah. like that. They're working on that technology and they're still working on it. Okay. But, you know. I don't like that. Yeah. I think Being Google able to didn't... video people without their consent is not yeah. cool. Well, I mean, I, mean, I know do... that. I know people that are out on the sidewalk, you you don't have any right of privacy just I think walking would, around yeah, out there. Yeah, it must but... have been video. But still, I think people do that all the time. They have the side pocket. They put their iPhone there. And I'm always like, whenever someone holds their pocket in the iPhone, I'm like, they could be recording. Don't you think Mm -hmm. that we should maybe there should start to be some laws about some privacy with recording? I mean, they've got to do something about it because with technology getting so advanced, you have no idea what people are doing with your image. Well, yeah, it's like you're not legally allowed to record a conversation, but you can videotape someone. That's weird. Oh, really? That doesn't make any sense. That's a nice law. But it's so hard (laughs) because if you're in a public place how can you you have set... no expectation of privacy yeah, yeah. exactly well so... if you're in a public place the four other people that may be there could be seeing it so why not the whole world well, mm-hmm. technically speaking if you <laughs> are in your house because of editing software yeah. that's so amazing that's what <laughs> if you're in your house in front of a window you have no expectation of privacy Ooh. if someone records you through your window that's fair game oops yeah. really Legally? i have my blinds down yep. all the time just for yeah. that reason yeah what, what a sad thing. <laughs> I know. It's you ridiculous. To, you know, that's, that's a – so – but there's a peeping Tom. I mean, there's there's laws against people looking in your windows. I think they and, can't be on your property, but if well, they're videotaping from the street. If they have to, the like, difference? If they have to, like, climb up or, you know, like – if they can't just see you walking by and then look into your window – that's that's no privacy. But if they have to, like, you know, go onto your property and, you know – yeah, get, if someone's get walking some down weird your street, angle. they're allowed to look in your window. It's creepy. Yeah, exactly. and it's, uh, kids do it all the time, and I constantly remind my kids, we don't look in windows. Yep. Because why wouldn't they want to see what other people are, what's going on? Yeah, they don't know that it's weird. Odd. Yeah, they don't know it's a weird thing. So it's a social law, not a... Is our guest on Skype? Is Skype... Of course, Skype oh, it's isn't. A Skype. Oh, well, Skype it's has here. been terrible lately. They uh, did these updates, and it's been. Oh yeah, tell them to call again. All right, I will get on that right away. They, we just missed them. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do not. If you have Skype, check to see what version you're on. If you're on versions anything but eight, don't update it because version eight is horrible. That's like the that Apple one that crashed everybody's phones yeah. and was just terrible. I usually don't I usually don't do updates for a couple of weeks until I know that. Oh, it's the thing about okay. Skype, my Mac's a whole series behind. Yeah, yeah it's I think it's better. The thing about be Skype behind. eight is that they took away features on purpose, though it's not broken. 
They took away the ability uh, to turn off the ringer. That's always on now. Oh. They oh, took away good. the ability to make it so Skype doesn't automatically adjust your microphone volume when you're in a call. Uh, they took away group calls. So all you the, can't do all that the anymore. good features yeah. they took away. It's how, insane. How do they make money? Oh, I bet. I bet they're. I bet they're. What they're going to do is going to if you want. If you want those features, you yes, have to pay. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's you what I was money. talking yeah. to Andy about because Dave uses that for his guest, and he, there's oh, times he, he has two guests that need to be on. Yeah, you can't so do that anymore. He can't do that. So uh, what he has to do is there must be a premium. He has to have the st- the studio call one of the guests and he'll call one of the i mean it's yeah it's so bizarre. they haven't made it's, it a premium option yet no no they oh, just see, updated like, it when you update you got to have that sales pitch ready yeah, tell you him think that that's to downgrade to skype seven and seven point anything it all yeah, works i'll yeah, see that's if what you i can did figure that it, it's bizarre i mean yeah, just downgrade it you can't <laughs> turn the ringer off <laughs> that's sometimes the solution it's insane it's, but it's true yeah insane. go back to their original build yep yeah it's it's uh but that's cool that Skype does that because I've, I've seen other podcasts where they're like, I don't know how to have more than one caller in. Mm. We only have one phone line and they could just be using Skype. Yeah, we just eventually we were going to have a phone in here, but then someone didn't do their job. I don't really know. Who. Oh, so people can't even call phone number in here right nope. now? It's all Skype. <laughs> so, I don't know. It's I mean, because this is an office building, Skype. and we don't have control over everything. Yeah, no. and your rent kind of includes one phone line mm-hmm. in here, and I think we would have to actually maybe get a whole separate phone line. There's our guest. There he is. Oh, hi. Hi, Daniel. <laughs> I, <laughs> I thought I was in the twilight zone. You were. <laughs> yeah, the twilight zone of Skype right now because they of updated their stuff so it's just bizarre how everything is working out was <laughs> we're figuring it out yeah i think apparently oh, there was an upgrade well, i'm so glad that i that it went through yeah there's an upgrade that downgraded the service apparently <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. literally yeah <laughs> so hi daniel hi how do you pro- how do you pronounce your last name we were we were going on and on about it before we oh you know i'm not even sure that i say it right but i think it's supposed to be de vise vise in belgium and it's de de vise de vise i like that that's kind of fun to say well Well, daniel is promoting his book the comeback greg lamont the true king of american cycling and a legendary tour de france so you wrote this book are you uh racing guy yourself do you, do you... <laughs> no you know um i'm a i'm a newspaper guy going back many many years i worked at the washington post the miami herald uh i tried to get a job at the star tribune once but it didn't work out yeah, um would have loved to have lived in minneapolis <laughs> um and you know newspaper people are absolutely completely comfortable covering stuff they've never actually done okay. i mean like in other in other words to be a cop reporter you don't have to have been a police officer right. or to be a court reporter you don't have to be a lawyer um but I have noticed that a lot of the, the, the kind of niche cycling writers who write for cycling publications, I'd say most of them are, in fact, former racers, and I'm one of the few eyeballs, you know, who's not. Well, I didn't, I didn't realize that he was shot in a hunting accident in California. I mean, he lived, <laughs> I, I'm not sure if he still lives here, but he lived here a long time. Yeah, um, that, that, part of the reason why I think the story works is, you know, for something like Boys in the Boat or like, even like Seabiscuit, these great, great yarns from the past, for it to really work, you have to not really know it, <laughs> to mm-hmm. not really know the story. <clears throat> and with Greg, just n- not many people ever found out that he'd gotten shot. And the reason for that has to do with 
the politics of kind of being a an athlete or or for that matter like an actor or something um, if you get injured or ill, you don't usually make a big deal out of it because you don't want to lose your job. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and so Greg and his and his doctors and his parents and his publicists all downplayed the injury. And what happens if you downplay something? Well, the media doesn't do much with it. So it was kind of a squib in the papers. There was no headlines that said, you know, Greg Lamond at, you know, death's door, because that wasn't what Greg and his doctors told people. Uh, it was characterized as a minor setback, even though it was actually a very major one. So he was in the racing world be- before the accident. Oh yeah, uh, he he had won the tour and was the first American to win the Tour de France. You know, which is supposed to be like the most grueling athletic event in the world. Sure. Uh, in 1986, and was on like the front page of the New York Times and was on the talk shows. He probably did Carson and stuff like that. And then he just vanished. Poof. And the reason he vanished was this shooting. So he just disappeared for a couple of years, and nobody heard anything about him. Uh, and then he came back, you know, in splendid fashion in 1989 and had another big wave of publicity attendant to his even more amazing victory that year in the Tour de France. Uh, um, Daniel, so, well, we have to take a quick break. Oh, so we'll talk about the night. I watched a YouTube video on it, and it was phenomenal, <laughs> that race in 1989 against, is it Lorraine? Laurent Fignon. Laurent Fignon. Okay. (laughs) Very French. Okay, so we'll come back and we'll talk about that. Okay. All right. Thanks. Just like all of you, I'd been hearing about MyPillow and was skeptical that it's as great as everyone says. Well, I received my first MyPillow and I love it because I have a pretty big melon, pretty big head, and MyPillow will prop it right up. I can get my neck aligned and I sleep very well because of it. Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has a very special offer for my listeners. MyPillow is offering buy one MyPillow and get another absolutely free. Don't delay. Order now. This offer expires August 1st. If you're looking for a great night's sleep, now is the perfect time to get your first MyPillow. If you already know how great the MyPillow is, why not give them to everyone you know? Call 800-516-5146. Use the promo code TOM or go to MyPillow.com, but make sure to use the promo code TOM. Call 1-800-516-5146. And use promo code TOM. Tom Bernard here to tell you, Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night. And you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand-new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers just waiting to be driven home. And Priority is also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers, come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call Roger or Eddie right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. I get it. I forgot all about yeah, this I song. Yeah, I forgot about this song. It's a bizarre song coming from Queen, and they yeah. sing this whole song about bicycles. Well, this is probably in that ho- the Bohemian Rhapsody album. Yes, right. Or, it sounds what was the like album it doesn't Bohemian? it. Well, it's I like can't... Night at the Opera or something. Yeah. I, I can't so. remember which 
exactly which album it came on, but yeah, it was a very odd. But it was a huge hit for them. Yeah, because well, Queen could do that. They could take any subject, do a, a rock opera song, and it was a hit. Welcome back to the Tom Bernard <laughs> Show. Uh, Tom Bernard is out accepting an award, the iconic award, someplace in Minneapolis. Congratulations to him. <laughs> and we have Daniel Divise. Did I say that right? Yeah, it's perfect. Our critically acclaimed author and journalist who has written a new book called The Comeback, Greg LeMond, The True King of American Cycling and A Legendary Tour de France. So, Cassie, you had some questions about a YouTube video that you said oh, you watched. Well, yeah, I, I watched the um, YouTube video of him winning the 1989 Tour de France by eight seconds. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, and it was like, well... We're obviously in America, so we go by miles, but it was 3,260 kilometers, which comes out to be 2,025.67 miles, and he won it by eight seconds. Wow. Once he crossed the finish line, he just sat and watched and waited to see if someone was going to beat his time, and he won by eight seconds. It was phenomenal. That's amazing. Yeah. So, and... Yeah, and he was behind by 50 seconds which is also kind of an absurdly small sum at the start of that last little race. And so everybody thought he was going to lose. And the, if you listen to the commentators, they're, they're having a heart attack pretty much as he's turning it around at the last moment. And mm -hmm. nobody thought Greg was going to win that race. No one. That's amazing. And didn't he also suffer cancer of some kind? Uh, no, actually, um, the guy... Laurent, or is it Laurent? <laughs> well, oh, you're right. Uh, Fignon uh, died of cancer, yeah. uh, gosh, uh, about eight, nine years ago, hmm. uh, lung cancer. And then, of course, Lance Armstrong, and this is a huge you uh -huh. know, part of our, for better or worse, part of our popular culture. He contracted testicular cancer in 96, and he had his own comeback, which was just as, I mean, even actually more probably well-known uh, in 99 when he came back okay. from cancer. And, you know, to great, great, uh, you know, cheers and applause from the, the cancer survivor community and won the tour himself. I'm that guessing Fignon didn't smoke. Uh, I think he High had, altitude. I, I want to say that he had, but um, the weird Ooh. thing was, yeah, so a lot of these, a lot of these cyclists die kind of young. Yeah. I mean, they punish their bodies yeah. Yeah. in competition. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they, a lot of them dope, I, I dare say. Yep. Most of them dope, if you consider doping as a very broad category that includes mm -hmm. a whole bunch of different things like amphetamines, alcohol. In the old days, they in the old days these cyclists would take like ether and strychnine and Jeez. cocaine and all sorts of insane things. Mm -hmm. oh, wow. and it, it just batters their bodies, and a lot of them die prematurely. I, yeah, that kind of that's a uh, sustained race. yeah sustained physical uh, activities well, yeah. it'll wear you down well, almost literally every, everybody has seen those you know beautiful photos of the of the bicyclists the racing guys and they're they're smoking cigarettes and they're in training and they're just kind of well that was I, I think with Lance Armstrong that was the first time i ever heard the term blood doping i believe yeah, right. somehow they oxygenate their blood or something well, what, what happened was very similar to what happened in baseball. Um, every, everybody in baseball took, well, a lot of people took stuff in the 70s and the 80s, like the Mike Schmidt era, the Willie Stargell era. Oh, but was it didn't Kinseko really era. make any difference. I mean, it wasn't, like, decisive until when? The 90s, I guess, in baseball? 
when suddenly there was stuff you could take that would actually make you hit 70 home mm-hmm. runs. Uh, yeah. And steroids. very similar in cycling. Most, a lot of the guys in the peloton took stuff in the 70s and the 80s, but it, it couldn't. It wasn't transformative. It couldn't turn you into a superhero. And then suddenly it could uh, around okay. about 91, 92, 93. These would be the years when LeMond, our hero, starts to fade because he can't keep up anymore. Uh, and, and from that point on, to the pre- unfortunately, to the present day, there are cocktails of things, testosterone, yep. this thing called EPO, uh, blood, blood doping, uh, and, and a bunch of other stuff, including <laughs> motors <laughs> that you can put, use to help you or your bike go faster. Do they not inspect bikes before the tour? <laughs> I think they do now. Um, uh, they didn't, I, I don't know when this motor thing happened, and and there's been a person actually caught with a concealed motor in an actual bicycle in actual race with a young wow. Belgian woman. So it's real. It's not just ridiculous talk. Well, yeah, because uh, we were talking about that. Like, w- do they do inspections? I just um, asked that. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I well, like, I'm multitasking. Lamond is a big champion of this. He thinks that. You should, and this might seem obvious, but this is not what's done. He thinks that everybody should be limited to riding one bike per event. In other words, you start the day on the, on a bike, you finish the event on the same bike at the end of the day, and the bikes should be sequestered, kind of like you know, uh-huh. labeled, tagged, yeah. and put in somewhere safe so nobody can tamper with them. Right. And yes, they are tested, but Lamond would argue that they aren't tested well enough. That there are better tests than the ones that are used, and there is a tradition going back decades whereby the cycling organizations that run these events are always years behind in coming up with tests and in coming up with successful tests that actually catch the cheaters. They're always behind, and they're behind now. Uh, Daniel, in your research, uh, has the Tour de France changed? Has it always been this length? Or or as as cyclists got faster and better and equipment got faster and better, did they extend the, the race? Oh, right. No, that's a good question. It's a weird sport, okay? If you go back to its, its <laughs> beginnings in the late 1800s, it was very, very, very popular in America. I mean, it was actually more popular in baseball at the turn of the century. And why it was so popular was it was sick. I mean, it was just this ex- like an X Games sort of spectacle of human suffering. <laughs> there were six-day uh... races that literally went on for six days, 24 hours a day. And, oh, and they'd ride. It was like, a, like one of these mar- dance marathons. They'd ride until they collapsed. Oh, wow. Wow. And the Tour de France evolved out of that tradition, so it was like this sick, extreme sport, uh, and it hasn't really changed. I mean, it's it's actually less hard than it was. I think the first couple of years, you you basically rode until you dropped. I think that the, the, the three thousand kilometers were done in like six stages instead of twenty one. Oh, uh, but that's where that's the origin of the sport. It's not like an American athletic contest. It's meant to be basically a spectacle of human suffering <laughs> it's kind of akin to running a marathon every day for three consecutive weeks oh my well God. then you can almost you know not blame people for trying to get an edge because mm. it's 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 inhuman mm-hmm. to be able to do this well, yeah especially well, look at the look at the guys i mean look at the pictures of the people riding the tour right now i mean they look sick yeah they do yeah they look <laughs> like un- yeah. they look very like unhealthy and thin like yeah, bicyclists look thin though in general well, the thinner you well, are, the less yeah. weight you're the propelling. Weight, so exactly. yeah, it's kind of like a jockey. Yep, in, in, exactly. For uh, horse racing, it's <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, that's right. It's the same principle: less weight to drag up the hills. And they're in the mountains right now. I think today maybe they're at the Alpe d'Huez, which is—I might be wrong about that—but they're at one of the iconic mountaintops this very day. 
And the question is, which guy from Team Sky, the great British team, which guy is going to end up winning? Because it seems like one of them will. Okay. Well, do these guys, I mean, during the, the Tour de France, do they eat like high carb foods? Because you would think that they would need it to keep up endurance. Yeah, actually, Lance Armstrong was on NPR yesterday, I think it was yesterday, talking about this very point. Um, he reminded the interviewer that they consume thousands and thousands of calories, like plate after plate yep. of pasta and like muesli and just carbs, carbs, potatoes. And as much as they eat, and they eat a lot, they never eat enough. I mean, look at them again. They're, 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 they're thin as rails. They, mm-hmm. but they eat thousands of calories. Think about, again, like a marathon and how many calories you'd consume in mm-hmm. running a marathon. They burn that many calories every day. So they eat just tons of food, but they don't get any 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 wider. <laughs> Their camelbacks are filled with gravy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're just right sucking on a gravy straw. It's the only way I'd survive. <laughs> now, I should, I should add that Le Mans in his racing days looked great. I mean... Back then, in the 90s and 80s, they were they put a, had a little more meat on their bones. Uh, Dan Zeman, who's a great M- Minneapolis uh, exercise physiologist mm-hmm. who I interviewed, could talk to you about that. I mean, they, they 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 carried a little more weight back then. I feel like it was all a little more like normal then. It's gotten where they've these days they push everything to the absolute limit, like the the, the, the fewest you know ounces that you can carry on your body and on your bike. And after doing all this research and talking to these these uh, athletes do you think that they're crazy or do you have a, a better respect for them now well i i think that in order to, to and i would every time at a book talk i've done like 15 of them i get a laugh when i say this because people in the room are usually really really serious cyclists okay. what i say is in order to get really serious about cycling you have to have some kind of inner demon and everybody chuckles when I say that because they all seem to have some kind of inner demon. Um, now, in Lamont's case, it's kind of tragic. Uh, he was a victim of, of sexual abuse as a child. Oh. And, I, you know, the, the, the sort of narrative here is that I believe, and, and I think he's kind of indicated, that cycling, the punishment of cycling, the focus of it, you know, the, the pain of it, the, and the endorphins of it all kind of helped focus him, helped kind of deliver him from a really dark time in his life as a kid. And that that might be why he got so into cycling as, a, as like a 14, 15-year-old boy. But trust me, all of them, I mean, Lance, Landis, all of them have some kind of demons that are making them do this stuff because it's so hard. It sounds incredible. I I I I have I like to bicycle, but I, nothing, nothing <laughs> like these people. And one time we went up to Duluth, uh, Minnesota, which is a very hilly area, and we went I don't know maybe twenty five miles, and I had to stop and hurl. <laughs> <laughs> That would be me. <laughs> and I was starving to death for like a week afterwards. I mean, it was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. I can't even imagine doing this. Oh. I mean, uh, I, I rode up to Lake Geneva from Chicago one time and then rode back the next day, and that was that's about as much as I've ever done. Is it is it hilly, too? No, it's just far. <laughs> it's like 100 miles there, 100 miles back, I think. And I was a lot younger then than I am now. But uh, you've got some serious terrain up that way, and it's beautiful, too. It uh, is. It's very part beautiful. Of the country is lovely. Yeah, we've got some beautiful bike paths up in uh, in Duluth. And if you do want to train on hills, man, they're up there. And yeah. that's <laughs> to me, that's the hardest thing. Distance is okay, but hills kill. Yeah. Well, Thanks for coming on, and you can buy your book at Amazon. Do you have a website you'd like to promote? 
Oh, thank you. Yeah, well, DanielDeVizet.com. Um, and at, at this point, it's out there enough that if you type in, like, comeback, book, Lamond, you'll find it. Um, it's available, of course, on Amazon and at all your favorite independent bookstores. And I'm so grateful for, for your time because people up there really love Greg and Kathy. He's got yes. so many fans in Minnesota. Yes, he does. Yeah, and I'll, I'll post a link in our uh, episode post of your book and social media yep and people can just click the link it'll take them right to amazon to order the book oh oh and please let me add uh, city pages your esteemed weekly is doing a big excerpt on the issue that runs i think the 25th oh okay great Yeah, about the shooting so you can learn all about it okay great well thanks for your time and uh Get, get his book, The Comeback, Greg LeMond, The True King of American Cycling, and a Legendary Tour de France, Daniel DeVizet. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, merci. <laughs> Beaucoup. <laughs> <laughs> Bye-bye. Yeah, I'll, I'll also post that. It's like a four-minute YouTube video of that Oh, last... that would be nice, yeah. Yeah, oh, that right. you're talking would about. Watch that. Eight seconds. Yeah, I... I for over 2,000 miles, and he was behind. 50 seconds. 55 seconds, just, I don't know. He just had that probably that burst of, just, I'm going to win this yes, thing. Or <laughs> luck. Just, I would say that's just a luck. Yeah, luck. <laughs> right, when you get down to eight seconds. I would, I would ride my bike 10 miles, and I'd be killed over on the side yeah. of the road. Oh, my God. Her. I would die. <laughs> I would just die. I have, that's why I have a cruising bike. I can just cruise. I have a basket yeah. on the front, a spot that's for That's the kind of bike I ride. Yes, it, and I even have a spot. More for transportation. I have a spot yeah. on the back where I could strap stuff down to it. Yeah. Yeah, I could put a cooler back there. Well, you never have to worry with a cruising bike. I don't know if your bike's like that, where it doesn't have gears. Yep. So you never have to worry about the chain coming off. Yeah. That's why I have it. But you can't ever go up a big hill. Yeah, it's not going uphill. That's where you get your exercise. You have to stand up. You're you're better off getting off your bike and just walking up Absolutely. I used to have a big, heavy bike, and I was just like, my God, this this is like pushing a plow horse. Yes. It's terrible. Yes. But, Yeah. yeah, I mean, I... I, I I like watching these endurance type um, sports because it's like how far can they push themselves before they break? I mean, you have I don't know how marathon. I've never run a marathon. I don't know how I I could never do it. I would pass well, out. Well, hopefully you never have to. We'll, <laughs> <laughs> all right, we'll we'll be back in ten minutes with the second part.